Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Amen. All right, let's take our Bibles and go to the book of 2 Peter. We are in 2 Peter now in our, our Route 66 series. Praise God. I'm excited about this. Um, I, I was thinking of last week combining these two books, but the, I couldn't really do that because there are two really separate messages going on with these two books. And when we get to John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, we'll probably do that in two different, probably combine two and three and, and one, keep it by itself. So we've got about four or five uh, messages to finish out this very long and wonderful series that we've been in. And, uh, but what, a, what an accomplishment, though, huh, that we've been able to walk through Every book of the Bible, a snapshot it with our map where we uh, have a memento and we look at the a big attraction and then we always talk about the person of Jesus. So um, uh, with that, I want us to focus on Second Peter chapter 1 and we're going to start in verse 12. Now, <clears throat> um, this is just, it seems just a short while after, not too long after he wrote First Peter, this letter was pretty quickly to follow. And what had happened were some things had to be addressed. There were a lot of uh, false teaching going on at this time. And you know that the Apostle Paul faced the very same things. Um, but this is Peter, remember who he addressed this to, to the Jews that were, uh, that were spread abroad because of the dispersion. And so all throughout Asia Minor, um, he's, he's sending letters to them to encourage them to, to be strong. And in chapter 2, or the second epistle, he deals with their need to hold on to the Word of God because there are heresies about, there are those who are trying to take them away from the simple truth of the Word of God. And chapter 2 of Second Peter deals with false teachers, false prophets, and their ruined end. <laughs> I mean, you should just read. We're not going to spend time in chapter two, uh, but if you want to read that sometime, I want to encourage you to read that. We're going to really park in, in chapter one. We're going to, that's where we're going to spend most of our time in, in chapter three as well. But chapter two is really just the result of those who are going to a, a very bad place, who are intentionally deceiving the people um, with, with flattering words and with, with false doctrine. And so Peter talks about if you follow these guys, your end is going to be destruction just like theirs is going to be. So you need to hold on to the more sure things. And, and this is in verse 12 is really where we pick up Peter's heart in this. He says, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Did you see that? He says, you already know it, you're established in it, but I need to tell it to you again. And I'm going to always tell it to you again. How many of you understand just how important this is that though you are well-versed in much of the scriptures and you've been in the church for a long time, but you know that you need to hear it again. You need to hear it again. You need to hear it again. You need to hear it again because the world is constantly trying to mold you and squeeze you into its philosophy, into its way of thinking, into its way of destruction. And so we have to be vigilant to hear these things again. He says, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent, speaking of his body, to stir you up by reminding you. 
knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. This is one of the reasons why he wrote the letter, knowing that long after his death, they could keep coming back to this letter and keep reading. Not only that letter, but also men and women that Peter would raise up himself to continue to teach them so that they can teach others as well. All right? This thing gets, continues to pass, be passed down so that we can have constant reminders of the truth. Now, I want us to back up uh, in the same chapter, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, but also, this is where we're going to pick up our uh, memento, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Say that, add to your faith. Add to your faith, virtue to virtue, knowledge to knowledge, self-control to self-control, perseverance to perseverance, godliness to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. In other words, as a Christian, you need all the bells and whistles, and these are the bells and whistles. All right? For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is how you experience Knowing God in greater measure through these great attributes. So my challenge to you tonight is to ask you this question, how is it all adding up in your life? You know, people add all kinds of things to their life, but they add things that end up taking away from their life. It doesn't help. It takes away. Men strive in careers, they strive in hobbies and all kinds of things to think that they can add to, but come to find out these things don't really add to. Here God shows us how to live a meaningful, fulfilling, and happy and fruitful life. And it starts with faith. Did you notice it? It starts with faith. It is the, as Brian said, the substance of those things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without it, we can't please God. Without it, we can't, we can't expect to receive anything from God. It's what James taught us. Without it, we, can, we cannot know victory because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Yeah. Yeah. Without it, some things, think about this, without faith, some things, if not many things, will be impossible for us. Yeah. But Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible yeah. to those who exactly. believe. Without it, mountains won't move. Without it, we can't be saved. Without it, our prayers will go null and void. It is the foundation of our Christianity and our walk with God. So he says to add to that, your faith in Jesus is the sure thing, and it will never never let you down. So this passage teaches us to add to our faith, and so... One of the things that we add to, the first thing he mentions here, and I don't think Peter is saying necessarily in this order. He's just saying add these things. And one of the things is virtue. The word literally means in the, in the Greek, excellence, manliness, valor. Now, ladies, I understand that it's hard for you to you know, picture manliness and excellence in the same passage. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, it's there. Um, uh, I like this quote from Booker T. Washington. He said, uh, not to be confused with Brooker T. Washington. Where is Brooke? Where is Brooke? I thought she was here. Somewhere. She, she got offended and left just now. So. 
Excellence, excellence is to do a common thing in an uncommon way. So be an excellent Christian. That means that you won't just say anything. You won't say everything that comes to your mind. Please help the world by not saying everything that's on your mind. I can't help it. It's just the way I think. You can help it. You, just, you don't have to open your mouth and say it. Just keep it right. Just let it stay right there and go away. Amen. But to be purposeful in building up others, to let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Be an excellent Christian. Be a reader of the scriptures. Have a non-negotiable time in the word every day of your life. Give yourself to the word of God and prayer. Amen. Be a regular church goer. I'm talking to Wednesday night crowd. I mean, come on. I'm preaching to the choir here, right? But I mean, these things, and, and have a, regularly have an outlet where you're telling your testimony to others. And be a giver. Be generous in your giving. Yeah. Be known for that. Amen. Be an excellent. Be excellent to each other. Yeah. And party on, dudes. It says, and to virtue, knowledge. There are a lot of smart idiots in the world. <laughs> we call them politicians. <laughs> so this isn't just any knowledge he's saying. Because Paul warns about those who are seeking knowledge all the time but never arrive at the truth. And knowledge seekers, they're gaining knowledge, but they're not gaining truthful knowledge. So what he's talking about is the knowledge of God, the God kind of knowledge, the God kind of understanding, because the Scripture says, my people perish for lack of what? Knowledge, not man's wisdom. Because there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. So... Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are life, they are spirit, and they are life. Amen. So know God's word and know him. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. To knowledge, and it says to knowledge, self-control. We all like those, that term, don't we? Don't we all love self-control? Huh? That's just the amen to every message. Right? Hey, we, everybody waits to hear those words. Amen, self-control. Love self-control. <laughs> The greatest way that you can have exercise self-control is to exercise controlling this tongue. You can't tame it, but you can control it. All right? And James says this, this interesting thing. Let's go over there for just a moment. Lisa, forgive me. I didn't give this to you, and I didn't even have it in my notes. But let's go to James chapter 3, I think. Is it 3? Three? 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 1. Let's look at this for a moment. I need to remind you of these things. <laughs> Amen. I need to remind you of these things. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive, I don't like that verse, uh, receive a stricter judgment. <laughs> all right. For we all, you know, it's Mark Twain that said, you know, it's not the stuff in the Bible, it's, it's, it's not the things I don't understand in the Bible that trouble me, it's the things I do understand that trouble me. Okay, for we all stumble in many things. Watch this, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able also to bridle the whole body. Whoa. 
It's important. It is important what's coming out of your mouth because he says if you can say the right words, if you can control your words, control what's coming out of your mouth, then you can live a perfect experience. Wow. So it all starts right here, doesn't it? Hmm? What is it that's regularly coming out of your mouth? You might be finding yourself continuing to come into the same kind of trouble, the same kind of issues. You might check what's coming out of your mouth. You might do an inventory and say, what have I been saying about this situation, about this person? Why can't I stand them? Because I always say I can't stand them. Maybe, maybe I should say something different. Hmm? Because here's the thing. Your feelings will follow your words. You can change how you feel. You don't have to wait to feel right about the person before you say the right things about the person. Start with the words, as he was saying. Cast them over that wall. Huh? Bless them. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you, who despitefully use you. You know why? Because that's the last thing you want to do. And if it's the last thing your flesh wants to do, then you need to do it. Amen. Because the spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. The spirit is willing, but the flesh, oh, it's weak. Control your tongue, control your life. Amen. Praise God. To self-control, perseverance. (laughs) Perseverance, also known as patience. But those, imitate those. Hebrews 6.12 says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. There's something that comes along with faith. It's not just faith, it's faith and patience is how you get the promises in your life. And patience is just the attitude of, I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how long it takes. I know the word of God is true, and I'm going to see it work in my life. That's the attitude of patience. Hmm? It's not a worrisome, twiddling the thumbs. No, it's, it's rest. It's rest in his promise. Amen. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you don't lose heart. Amen. Patience. And to patience, godliness or holiness or reverence. But here's the thing. The way to truly walk in godliness and holiness is to live thankful. Is to live a thankful life. To offer up your body living sacrifice and to offer up the fruit of your lips giving thanks and praise to his name. Come on, won't you just express some holiness right now and just give him thanks right now. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his kindness. Because I want you to think about this for just a moment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the apostle Paul is talking about, he's bringing instructions to the Corinthian church about tongues, how tongues should be practiced in church. All right? The gift of tongues, how it should be expressed in church. And the purpose for it, he keeps bringing them back to it. The purpose for it, if you're going to do it in church, it needs to be for the edification of the church. All right? So the others are built up. I'd rather speak, what did he say, five words of understanding than 10,000 words in tongues so that others can receive edification. So he's bringing, bringing uh, correction here and instruction. And one of the things he says, he says, how will others say amen at your giving of thanks? For indeed, you give thanks well. In other words, boy, you pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in tongues, but the other's not edified. 
Paul just taught us something about what's happening when we're praying in the Spirit. He says, you give thanks well. Now think about this. The Holy Spirit, his first name is Holy. Do you know that? The Holy Spirit of God, when he is praying, when your spirit, he's given you that utterance to pray, it is a prayer of thanksgiving. The holiest, the holiest being ever. His prayer is, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is what attaches you to holiness, godliness, is continuing to say, thank you, Lord. Living a grateful life. Stay thankful. Keep an attitude of gratitude. Most of your prayer life ought to just be spent. I don't know what to say. Say, Just say, thank you, Jesus. Huh? He likes that. That's a holy prayer. Amen. To godliness, brotherly love. It's where we esteem others higher than ourselves. Love our neighbor. Love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen. And the brotherly love, love. The God kind of love. In other words, this goes beyond your brother. This is that where Jesus said, love your enemies. Anybody can love a friend. Love your enemies. Amen. Because God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay. Does that help you tonight? Now let's look at this. Let's look at this. Let's go down to uh, uh, 2 Peter 1, verse 16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power of and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. It's where we're going to look at what an aspect of Jesus that Peter and them saw in the flesh that we are yet to see. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So Peter's reminding us of his experience where he and John and James were taken up on the mountain with Jesus, and there they saw Jesus, they saw Moses and Elijah, but they saw Jesus in all of his glory. He transfigured right before them, and they saw him in all of his glory. How we will see him someday in heaven, praise God. They got to see a picture of that here on the earth on that mount. Can you imagine? And Peter was so awestruck by seeing Jesus in that way. And this is, this is something I think that it's hard for us to comprehend because right now, uh, as First Peter taught us, we love him and yet we haven't seen him. We know him and so we're, we're eagerly waiting for his appearing, but we haven't seen him yet. So we have a love that is a love that is generated by faith. We, this, 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 we believe him, therefore we love him, and we've heard his story, and it has captured our hearts. But, but to see him is going to be quite an experience. Because think about this. You experience love, and you express love, and you receive love. But when you see love in the face, can you imagine you're actually going to see the person of love? That's, that's one of the things that's, that's going to be tragic about the day of judgment. Yeah. I'm convinced. It's not going to be so much. I mean, that's going to be bad enough to, to have the judge standing before the judge and how awful and trepidatious that's going to be. 
But let's, let's think about it for a moment. God is love. So for the first time, an unbeliever, think about this, an unbeliever who, who rejected the gospel, they're going to stand before love and see love in the face, in person for the very first time. Can you imagine the horror that they must feel to know they're going to see love in all of his glory and then have to be sent away? To really see love for what it really is, the essence of love, and be rejected. We don't want anybody to experience that. That's why we're here, to bring many sons to glory. And this isn't about God sending people to hell. This is about people rejecting heaven. They don't know. They don't know what they're rejecting. They don't know. We have to tell them this good news. We have to get them this story of love right now. That's why we're here, to preach the good news of the gospel. Because heaven is a reality and hell is a reality. No two ways about it. Well, there are two ways that seven are <laughs> God is love. And Peter, when he saw Jesus in all of his glory like that, see, he didn't talk, he didn't talk to Jesus like this when, he was, when Jesus was out and about with them, you know, when they were camping together or they were doing ministry here and there. But when he saw him on the mountain, he said, oh, we need to stay here for the rest of our lives. I want to stay right here in this presence Love glorified. Yes. Said, Lord, let's just build three churches right here. Yes. One for you, we'll build one for Moses, and one for Elijah too, so they don't feel left right. out. Let's just stay right here. Right. right? I mean, he's just completely enraptured with Jesus. And then God speaks and said, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Yeah. Thank you. It's not time for that. There's a message that has to come out. You need to hear him so that when you hear him, then you speak for him. You speak this same message. And at the same time, what God was saying, there was the prophet, there was the law, and now it's him. God, who at various times and in various ways spoken time past to us by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. So hear him. He's the final message from God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Peter's theme in this, in this uh, epistle is really, really quite simple. Spiritual maturity through the word of God. And ensuring a, a remedy for false teaching and a right response to heretics in light of Christ's promised uh, second coming. And so when these false teachers, they whisper their deceptive words into the ears of immature Christians... The body of Christ begins to be shaken by that, to lose what makes it distinctive in the first place. That's faith in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he repeatedly points to the Word of God as the primary means of growth for the Christian. And I'm going to finish with this. This is our attraction because I want you to see how Peter so wonderfully lays this out. 2 Peter 1, verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things, say all things, that pertain to Life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue and 
by which have given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, what, through these what? What did it just say? What are the these he's talking about? These promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Whoa. So what did he just teach us? He just taught us about the word of God, the promises specifically in the word of God. They are the cure. The promises of God are the cure to the disease of the desire for wrong things. See, this will help you when you're praying. This will help you have surety when you pray. This will help you know how to pray. I know a lot of Christians who battle. They don't know. They, they go, well, I don't know if it's the will of God or not. I don't, I, I, so I, I don't know, Lord. I don't know if this is your will. Hey, listen, pray the promises. That's always his will. All right? And when you pray his promises, what you're, what you're connecting yourself to is the life that God wants you to have. So you'll never pray the wrong prayer, ever. This will cure you of that. Hallelujah. These promises are your access to receive and to enjoy the life that God came to give you. Now we're going to jump down to verse 19. It says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed. So he's talking about hearing that voice speaking out of heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then he says, so we have the prophetic word confirmed. Now in the King James Version it says, but we have a more sure word. A more sure word. Think about that. A more sure word. More sure than a voice booming out of heaven at us. Now, I'm not, when I was growing up, and I don't hear it as much today, but when I was growing up, I can remember people talking about wanting to hear the audible voice of God. I just want to hear God's, I just want to hear him speak to me like somebody else does. And maybe we all kind of have that desire as critics. I mean, I don't know how I'd respond to that. My dad said he heard it once, and it scared him so bad that he didn't know if he'd ever want to hear it again. <laughs> and all God said was, John... He just said his name, woke him up out of his sleep. He said he thought somebody had broke into the house. It shook him so bad, and he's laying, you know, you know, isn't it amazing how your covers all of a sudden become a shield about you? You know, if I can just stand here, I'll be safe. You know, from any gun, any knife, I'm, I'm right here. I'm... So he said, finally, once, I, I, and once that, all that, that fear sensation went away, he said, I, I realized it was God. I said, what is it, Lord? He said, then the Lord spoke to me from the inside. He said, then I asked him, well, you said my name out loud. How come you didn't say the rest of it? He said, you almost died when I said your name. I was having mercy on you. <laughs> but it's more sure than the prophetic. I mean, it's more sure than, the, than, the, than a, an audible voice coming out of heaven itself. He said, we have a more sure word. What is that? It's that Bible in your lap there. That's more sure. Because, by the way, there is an enemy out there. And the scripture says he disguises himself as an angel of light. The devil has a voice too. That's why we don't just go around listening for voices. All right, because the enemy's going to go, oh, this is easy pray right here. You want to hear a voice? I am God. How about that? You can't, just, you can't judge your life by, that, by have, trying to have those experiences, those audible experiences. No, we got to park ourselves in the more sure word. All right. We have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. It sounds like he just starts writing a song there, doesn't it? Beautiful. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. 
All right, in other words, this is, this is what he says. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. He said, don't be deceived. Men didn't make this up. God spoke, and then they wrote it down. God spoke, and then they spoke. All right, no man came up with this. There's a, there's a great, if, if you're a Bible studier and uh, you like to go more in depth, there's a really good Bible handbook called Halley's Handbook of the Bible. I highly recommend it if you like to go deeper in your studies. And one of the quotes that, that uh, Henry Halley says here, it says, The Bible, composed of many authors over a period of many centuries, yet one book, is in itself the outstanding miracle of the ages, bearing aloft its own evidence of its superhuman origin. Paul said it like this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Bible is the sure word of God. It's good to have a prophetic word. I love, I love, we're all about the prophetic. You know that. We have a prophetic conference every year, but we don't hold that above that scripture ever. Ever. We like to have the prophetic word confirmed. It confirms things that are already going on in our hearts, but the word of God is the more sure word. Don't ever forget that. All right, so Peter is trying to keep the people grounded. The scriptures are your key. All right, And in 2 Peter chapter 3, he kind of bookends it with the same thought. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of a reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Remember the word of God. Call it to mind. Meditate on it. That's what he's saying. Call it up. Remember it. Do, do, do inventory of what you know. There are some days uh, I'll get up and I'll just start going through the Rolodex of scriptures that I know. And I just out loud just say every verse that I can remember uh, that, I've, that I've collected through the years and just say them out loud and just encourage myself in the Lord. Call to mind those scriptures that you know. You know, you've had words, you've had verses that you've held on to that, that have helped you through seasons in life, that have helped really bring strength. Just call to mind those. Keep your mind full of the word of God. Keep your mouth full of the word of God. Amen. And sing them if you gotta do it. Whatever you gotta do, just keep it because you gotta keep coming back to this thing. The apostle Paul taught us over and over again. He would just say one thing after another and then he would say, but what? What does the scripture say? This has to be the final authority in your life. The final question, always, at whatever situation you come into, whatever hardship, whatever difficulty, whatever thing you understand or don't understand, always say, but what does the scripture say? This is what I'm going to believe above all else. Amen. Call it to mind. When you're in those difficult those situations, what does the scripture say about this, this, this situation? What does the scripture say about provision? Just start looking it up. Start searching it out. Amen. Google it if you have to. Whatever. Just get the word on it. And lastly, 2 Peter 3, verses 14 through 18. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider... That the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. What he's saying is the reason the Lord hasn't come back is for salvation for many. Okay? As also our beloved brother Paul. This is such a beautiful thing that Peter's doing right here. I'll explain it in just a moment. 
Beloved, our brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also what? The rest of what? You know what he just said Paul's writings were? Scripture. They do Paul's epistles just like they do the rest of the scriptures. Whoa. Now you have to understand this is a big thing for Peter to say here. Because sometime before that, Paul had to rebuke him in front of everybody. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul tells us that story. Certain Jews came from James. Peter was eating with the Gentiles, and he saw those Jews come in, and for fear of them, he got up and went over to the the, uh, kosher buffet. (laughs) And Paul's watching this happen. What? So then he just withstands Peter to the face, he says. You being a Jew... Why do you compel Gentiles to live as the Jews? You're not being straightforward according to the truth of the gospel, Peter. And I have to call you out in front of everybody on this. Because we settled this issue a long time ago, but you're playing the hypocrite in front of everybody. We can't be having that. Wow, Paul. You know Peter walked on water, right? You didn't. (laughs) He doesn't care. He doesn't care. What he cares about is truth. What he cares about is truth. And so apparently Peter received that rebuke as he's later on in his, in his later years in life. Writes this about Paul, saying that whatever Paul writes is scripture. And some people are twisting it, just like they do the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Through your steadfastness in the word of God, you are sure to grow. You're sure to grow in grace and come to know the Lord more and more. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time in your word. And Lord, thank you for this admonishment tonight for us to hold to the word, to be students of the word, to be thinkers and meditators of the word, to be declarers of the word, so that, Lord, we can be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our reward is from the Lord, so that we won't be moved about with every wind of doctrine and tossed about, Lord, with every whim out there. We will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also will not wither, and whatever we touch shall prosper. It's your word that causes this to happen in our life. It's your word that steadies us. It is the rock that we stand on. Hallelujah. We build our lives upon. We build our families, our ministries, our jobs, our careers upon this rock, this word that is everlasting. And Lord, we receive it this instruction tonight with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, that you saved us and that you called us 
Thank you that you brought us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Thank you that we all got to hear the gospel. Somebody preached this good news and we believed it, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Thank you for that beautiful, beautiful message that saves us, God. Help us, Lord, to be ready, 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 ready preachers with that word. Ready to deliver this message. Ready to give an answer for the hope that we have, Lord. To those who ask, those who are wondering, those who are aimless, God, those who need help, God, that we will be ready ministers with this ministry of reconciliation. As though God were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. Thank you, Lord, for leading us and guiding us. And thank you that you grant your people all the more boldness in this day and age, Lord to be declarers of the truth, to not be persuaded by men, to not live as pleasers of men, but those who live to please God. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Is there anyone here tonight that needs provision in an area of your life? You need some provision, you need some help financially. Um, all right. I want to I encourage you with some scripture here. One you know, but I'm here to remind you again. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Anyone here need healing tonight? Healing in your body? Maybe you want to just stand in for someone tonight. The scripture says, he was wounded for your transgressions and bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement for your peace was upon him and with his stripes you are healed in the name of Jesus. How How about some of you of Battling anxious thoughts, maybe. Just battling some fear, some worrisome kind of stuff. huh? Unable to sleep, you're just kind of restless. I want you to know tonight the scripture says that you will keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because they trust in you. And God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. And if there's anything I didn't cover, Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you desire when yeah. you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Get the word on it. Hurl that word over that wall. I love that word tonight. Yeah. Thank you for that, Brian. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you that you bless your people and they're going out just like they've been blessed and they're coming in. Though their enemy comes at them one way, he will have to flee in seven. They are blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed in their storehouse, blessed in their homes, blessed in their jobs, blessed in their cars. Hallelujah. And I thank you, Father God, that they are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This people shall know their God. Be strong and do exploits in the earth. 
Thank you, Father God, that you give your angels charge over them to keep them and their families in all of their ways in the name of Jesus. I thank you for mercy, grace, and peace to be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I thank you that when they do lay down tonight, they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make them dwell in safety in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God, that you cause the mountains and the hills to break forth with singing and the trees of the field to clap their hands as your people go from here tonight with the joy of the Lord that is their strength in Jesus' mighty name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.